This is what camp's about. Who's with me? Keep telling your little story. What was that? Hello? Hello? Can anybody? Time for you all to leave. Hey. Clearly this group has no respect for my lab. Oh, Bumpy. Gave it a name that's precious. We're on our own. We've lined up exclusive behind-the-scenes tours of Jurassic World. Ooh. Yes! Dinosaurs? Plenty of dinosaurs. So, ready for an adventure? Absolutely. But I'm going to need that speech a little shorter and really try to lean into the majesty of this place. <laughs> okay, we're going now. Let's get the six of you to camp. Welcome, everybody, to the Jurassic Park podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss season two of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. And I'm going to be talking about spoilers. All right. So if you have not seen season two, the entirety of season two from episode one all the way through episode eight, if you do not want to know anything about this season, I would suggest backing out and go check out our spoiler-free review. So this is going to be 100% spoiler-based. I'm going to get into um, a lot of the different topics and stuff like that. It's just going to be a quick thing. I'm not going to you know, linger too much on this. Um, if you guys listened, I don't know if you did or not, but if you did listen to our spoiler-free one, it was just me, and uh, I gave you my thoughts because... My computer stopped working this past week, and I uh, I have not been able to recover as of yet. Uh, two conversations with Tom Fishenden. The one was a spoiler-free one, which I you know probably is just lost uh, to eternity right now. No reason to give you guys that one at this point. But the there was also a spoiler-based conversation. It was like an hour and a half long, and we gave both of our thoughts and feelings on this. And I'll definitely try to get that out to you at some point. But for now, I wanted to give you my thought, uh, my thoughts on this season. Um, and I'm excited that you guys all hopefully got the chance to watch it. Um, if you didn't watch it, and I guess you're still here. Uh, sorry for spoiling everything for you. But uh, you know, I, I set it up. We're spoilers, all spoilers for season two. So I guess getting into the conversation here. Um, so I I'm going to start off with Something simple, the dinosaurs. Uh, this is going to be all kind of mostly off the cuff and stuff like that. Um, I have a few notes, but um, the dinosaurs in season two, I think were one of the coolest uh, things about this season. Um, you know, you get uh, dinosaurs behaving in their natural uh, habitats. You know, the park has fallen, and now the dinosaurs are trying to figure out what to do and they're they're like relearning how to be a dinosaur. And that, I thought that was really cool. You get to see Rexy which they actually say Rexy, which I thought was amazing. I, as soon, I think, uh, I think Sammy had said that. Um, and she's like, Rexy's on her way back or something like that. And I was like, yes, Rexy. Somebody finally said Rexy in a Jurassic medium. I love that. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think it's been ever said anywhere else outside of, uh, I think she was called Rexy in the novel. But I know there's this whole argument over whether the animatronic was Roberta and what should we call it in the films and all this good stuff. But now, I guess you could say canonically speaking, we have a Rexy. But uh, anyway, speaking of Rexy, um, I thought she was brilliantly handled. I loved um, just how how cool it was to see her nesting in Main Street. Now, everybody kind of saw this scene beforehand anyway, but I just thought that was really cool to see her dragging things and killing dinosaurs out in the wild and dragging them. Dude, that was the coolest thing is seeing that 
Parasaurolophus' death kind of like, I guess, off screen, and then just seeing Rexy drag that Parasaurolophus off screen was really awesome. Um, we also get Stegosaurus' uh, fighting for dominance, which was cool. Um, Baryonyx, the, those were some of my favorite, I guess you could say, characters in this season. Um, them acting like a family unit, uh, you know, upset that one of one of them is caged. Uh, Grim was caged at the beginning. And then at the end, heartbreakingly, you know, Grim straight up shot in the face. Uh, no other way to put it. Just shot. And uh, by those hunters, the big game hunters, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, that was brutal, right? That was pretty brutal. So um, the fact that those baryonics came out of the jungle and, and witnessed that and, and saw, you know, their fallen uh, dinosaur family member there, it was it was kind of, you know, intense. And I thought that was a really somber and beautiful moment in the show to kind of show that reaction and hear that music. Um, it was it was really incredible. The music there was was phenomenal. I think that was the one moment in the entire season where I, it popped out to me. And, uh, you know, on further rewatches, I've only watched it like two, two and a half times at this point. Um, I, I, uh, I haven't had a ton of experience kind of noticing the music. That's just on me. But um, that moment specifically I thought was brilliant. Um, so we also get this whole watering hole, which was really awesome. Uh, you know, scientifically speaking, I don't know. I, you know, I, I never know about dinosaurs and how they're, how they react and how they, you know, are towards each other. I don't know all the ins and outs of the science, but I thought that was a beautiful thing to show all of these animals coming together, converging in one area and just surviving and being okay to be next to, uh, you know, a species that is much more threatening and then have the humans, Kenji and Darius walk right up. That was amazing. And Dar uh, Kenji, sorry, had that like breakthrough moment right there where he was like, Oh, this is beautiful. This is amazing. I love this. This place is great. So he like had that breakthrough moment right there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And, and, and you know, I, I guess we kind of have to speak uh, about Bumpy. Oh my God, what Bumpy? You know, went from little cute baby Bumpy to huge aggressive, uh, angsty, uh, you know, teenage Bumpy or whatever. It was awesome. I loved that iteration of Bumpy. I'm I'm very sad that you know baby bumpy is gone at this point but the adult version or whatever version that is is pretty amazing looking i loved that i thought uh you know the color obviously was just a you know the same colors and stuff as the baby but like amped up and, and everything was sharp on that thing and she's smashing that tail it, dude it was so cool i loved bumpy and i know a lot of people are going to have an issue with that with bumpy in this season um the fact that she's you know, essentially a vehicle for Ben. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if you can forgive some of those crazier aspects of, of this season, um, I, I think, I think you'll, you'll have a good time with this show. Um, so that's the dinosaurs. Um, let's go over to, let's talk about Ben then. Um, since we were just talking about Bumpy, um, Ben, man, that was, that was the one episode where I said in my spoiler free one that in our, in our email, it said, don't reveal anything about, I think it was episode five, um, which was with Ben. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a crazy episode. I don't know. I, you know, I, I wish Ben kind of was able to explore a little bit more and go other places. Uh, you know, Ben was kind of, Ben and Bumpy were kind of pinned down, uh, from Toro. 
um, in that that area there, um, which was a little weird to me. I, I don't know why Ben couldn't just go somewhere else, <laughs> go around Toro maybe, but um, the way they kind of, I guess, what we were trying to make it seem was like Toro had dominance over this area. Toro is getting all these dinosaurs and corralling them here and, and killing them or whatever and, and feeding on them there. And uh, I guess there was no way for Ben to get out, but I, I kind of wished that this would have been a cool opportunity to explore the island and have Ben encounter some some fun stuff instead of, you know, just basically waking up and going to sleep, waking up and going to sleep, eating, drinking water, and that was it. Um, so, you know, I liked... I like. I actually liked Ben and Bumpy. I liked. I liked their transition, despite it being a little jarring. And and I think an episode that maybe could have had a little bit more going on. You know, that's just me. Um, I, as far as the whole Toro interaction, I think that's one of those things where you're like, well, season one Toro was out of her element. Her, I guess her uh, element there, and didn't really know how to catch these humans and, and, you know, uh, run on concrete and run upstairs and stuff like that. So I, I got, I got that scenario that made a lot of sense to me. Um, this one, not as much just because like Toro's in the wild on her stomping grounds and, uh, Ben kind of bests her obviously with Bumpy's help, but that was a little, it was one of those moments I think throughout this season where people might have an issue with believability um, you know, it happened a little bit in the first season, uh, you know, as far as like, Hey, these kids are going to plummet, you know, thousands, what seems like thousands of feet, not hundreds of feet or whatever. Um, and they're going to be fine. Uh, whether it's from the zip line or the monorail, um, there's a few, uh, you know, a few minor things like that in this, in, for, in the, the first season. But, um, this season has more fantastical, I guess, elements where you have to kind of buy into the fact that, Hey, um, Bumpy is now this vehicle for for Ben, and Ben went from meek child to Rambo, uh, basically in uh, you know a few weeks or whatever. So I I don't know. I mean I think that's like I said that's going to be one of those moments that's kind of hard to buy. And then later on you get that moment where they explode that little uh, garage area, and then they're flying through the air. We're doing the hand sanitizer on the hand, and then disposing the bottle. Like you have to kind of buy into a lot of these things, which. Like I said, I think it might be difficult for people. I'm kind of fun. I have fun with those moments. I, I enjoy that kind of goofiness. Um, you know, as far as it's sitting, that moment or those moments sitting in line with the films, eh, it might be a little, it might be a little out there. Might be a little out there, but yeah, you know, I don't care. I don't care. Those aren't the things that really bother me that much. Um, but you know, I you know, you can question is his transition natural. Um, but I think, I think Ben always had an underlying confidence to him, even though he kind of projected himself as this meek and intimidated, uh, kid. I think there was those moments where he kind of clapped back at a lot of people and I was like, oh, there's something under there. And I think that's what came out in this, this season. Right. Um, so I kind of like his new characterization a little bit where he's the confident, confident guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like Ben. I kind of like Ben, and I like that it took him a while to show up, and, um, you know, I, I enjoy the emotion behind the other kids when they realized, like, uh, you know, I'm watching this season, and I think it's honestly, like, in the last one or two episodes where Ben, uh, no, I'm sorry, Darius doesn't even know that that he's alive, and it took that one moment where he was, like, confused, and then over the 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 
the loudspeaker thing and and he realized he's like wait is that that's ben's voice and he's he's freaking out and it was just it was a really cool moment i thought um so let's see let's talk about uh let's talk about those hunters all right so i want to talk about those hunters um this is this is probably my biggest um I guess you could say issue with the this season is the storyline with the hunters. It felt a little unnatural to me the way it was kind of weaved in. Um, starting with them, you know, starting in the beginning when they they see that that smoke off in the distance, that was cool. I liked, I really liked that element. I liked them saving the kids and all that stuff. But um, it, it really, to me, feels like a a story choice that maybe would have been farther down the road in a way. I know the characters explain it that, you know, while this is under litigation or something like that, this is their time to come in and take advantage of this and catalog and obviously hunt and kill. Um, so I, I buy what they're saying. I think it's just in my in my head, which obviously is not the story that's being told. I kind of assumed we would be following up on the events of the first season with some talk about Manicore and follow up maybe on Dr. Wu and other characters and trying to get these kids off the island instead of kind of just like skipping ahead weeks or however long. And, uh, okay, now we're into territory with hunters uh, that, to me, those two, I, I don't think that I really bought them as as the the hunters. I don't know. When they first came into the series, I, I'm like, all right, this is the... This is the um, what do you call it? The uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the Kirby's, the, the the Paul and Amanda Kirby uh, characters, right? They they come they come to you and they're like, yeah, we uh, we've been everywhere. We've been to uh, you know here and there, and you know we we do all these trips and take all these photographs and stuff. And I, I don't know that I bought it. They were just so clean and just so like they did not look traveled. They looked. They, it's hard to say, but they looked at the tourist instead of the traveler um, to me. So maybe the visual was part of the the problem and the characterization of them. I, I actually enjoyed the, which, you know, I, I might be looking at this all completely wrong because that is the point that they're trying to sell, right? They're trying to sell the fact that these these people are faking it. That's not who they are, right? So... Uh, maybe I'm just talking myself through this as as we're doing this because I'm sort of you know I, I see what they're doing. I see what they're doing. These are the people who um, who are who are lying to these kids. You know, and and you actually see those moments come through with Darius and stuff like that. When when you know Darius finds out and Mitch is kind of all of a sudden he's like very creepy. And I, I bought that moment. I kind of liked that creepiness creepiness of him. It didn't necessarily linger a lot, but um, I liked that creepy element of him being like, yeah, we're you know, we're the hunters and, you know, we're a little crazy. Maybe we have our ideologies are a little crossed. You know, this is not the right way we should be looking at things, but he, he, he's set in stone that that's the way that it should be. And, um, I don't know, I guess I appreciate that, that they were kind of, they were, they were the, you know, just the liars this whole time. And, um, that moment where he's like, yeah, this is not, uh, you know, friends do this for friends or something like that. And I was like, oh, it's weird. Is he still seeing Darius as a friend? So there's something loose, you know, uh, for Mitch and Tiff. And I like that they were like arguing behind the scenes and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just I 
I wasn't very latched onto the Hunter story all that much. I, maybe just because I didn't buy them fully. Um, Hap, uh, he was a character, you know, he's a little off-putting at first, obviously. He's supposed to be. Um, but he, I actually came around on him. I, I actually liked that guy. Um, and I loved, I loved, loved, loved that moment on the um, the motorcycle and the sidecar where he's like, have a good life make something of it or well, you know whatever he said and he ditches the sidecar with that with the shock stick and does like a it felt like a very Owen-esque tumble and roll and then slide on the grass and then like came to this like superhero position which I thought was really cool um and at that moment with Hap I don't think he's dead I don't think he's dead I I think he'll show up again I have a good feeling that maybe we'll see him in the future um because, you know, you, you never got a death. You never got a death scene. You didn't hear anything either. I heard some sort of roar, but that was about it. You didn't actually hear, you know, him screaming. You know, like with Muldoon. You don't necessarily see too much. You see, like, kind of obscured through the bushes. And obviously there's a lot of shaking. And you know he's kind of dying because he is blood-curdling screaming. So if he wasn't doing that, you could say, like, yeah, maybe he survived, I guess. But, but um you know, with Hap, there's no scream, there's no visual. Uh, they kind of panned out, and it was a farther away shot. So I think he'll he'll still be out there, and I feel like he'll be a factor in helping these kids get out because overall, these kids want to trust an adult, and so far they have not been able to ever. You know, everybody has failed them at this point on this island, and um, you know that is still a, a theme that I think is pretty strong coming uh, into this season because it was very strong in the first season um, in that episode with the birthday eddie um he's like the birthday guy um you know he they said they were like you're an adult blah blah blah. you should know what to do and he's just like ah, i don't know and he just ran away um so i think that you know continues on where these kids are relying on mitch and tiff they're gonna save us they're gonna get us off in two days or three or four however many days uh you don't know you don't you forget um so they relied on them and then they failed them completely they turned out out to be monsters um and, uh, you know, that storyline was fairly brutal at times. I mean, it was kind of very cutesy and, and, and a little fake to me at times with their whole like, okay, babe. All right, babe. Yeah, babe. Okay, babe. Okay, babe. Yeah, babe. And it was like, okay, uh, okay. Um, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm done with the babes. Um, but that's the point, right? I kind of struggle with, um, you know, the, the the what they're putting across is is the intended outcome but i'm also annoyed <laughs> by the characterization of them um so i guess it's working right it, that's the point right so and um that is the point because they 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 you know and a lot of people like to talk about oh these characters deserve do they deserve their deaths does zara, zara deserve her death eddie uh from the lost world does he deserve his death um you know there's a hot debate about whether characters deserve their deaths and um these do they definitely do they lopped off uh sinoceratops's head that's dark i mean you didn't see it but you saw the uh you know the the, the dismembered body part right there on a table that was messed up and then tiff saying like you know all right i'm done with this or whatever and just shot grim that was brutal. That was very brutal. I didn't I didn't expect that. I kind of thought, you know, something would happen and and you know, Grim would be fine there. Like it would gun would jam and then something else go wrong. 
but the man they just killed Grimm. That's that's insane. That was very dark. So this series, this season specifically, balances on very lightheartedness and then extremely dark moments, which was brutal. So anyway, with Mitch and Tiff, you 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 know they're they're so dark at times that you you're you know you wait and you uh, rely on that death to come, and it does in in such spectacular forms. I think um, you know my first. My first time around with the show, I got to the end of the series, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. Um, it was season. It was season two. That's what it was. Okay, let's let's go. Hopefully, we got a season three um, to kind of help me balance things out a little bit. Second time around, I actually this is one of the things I enjoyed the most was this um, back and forth with with Mitch and Tiff at the end of this season. Um, you know, it was very fluid. Everything was very fluid as far as um, the storyline moving in a certain direction." And, um, you know, the kids battling them and, and kind of using their intellect to kind of outsmart them. I actually really appreciated that. Um, and then Mitch obviously dying via the T-Rex, which was amazing. That was super cool. Um, and then, of course, uh, Tiff out on the boat. I love that race down to the dock and those baryonics catching up and her, you know, obviously getting eaten. Um you know, via those baryonics at the end, that, that was pretty awesome. And then that, that boat gets stranded. So that boat's out there, right? That, that thing is uh, something that hopefully, I don't know, you know, the kids don't necessarily know that it's, it's, you know, just lodged over there a little bit beyond the, uh, the berm where they can't see around or something. So hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe if Hap's still alive, maybe he tracks it down. Maybe there's a beacon or something, you know, that he, he knows is active. So he knows the boat's still around or something. Um, that could be something plausible, but maybe that boat comes back into play in, in an effort to get them out of there. And I don't know, that would be really cool to see, um, because it is just right around the bend somewhere. Maybe it floats out into the ocean. I have no idea, but, um, I just I love that that ending of those two characters. I thought that was very satisfying for me because I disliked them so much. So I guess congratulations on that because the effect worked. I, I still am I'm torn on whether I dislike them for disliking sake or I dislike them because of you know, because of their the way that they are. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Um so let's talk about all right, so let's get into some some of the other stuff uh, as far as the um, uh, the lingering things, I guess, from season one, right? So let me just take a little sip here because my voice, I'm losing it. <laughs> um, season one, we had this whole, you know, Dr. Wu, espionage, um, also spy from Sammy sending stuff to Manicore. That's stuff that I definitely expected to, to linger over. Now, the only thing that did really was that E750, which I thought, okay, that's that's cool. Like that's carried over, and I'm I'm really interested to see more about that. And we get very, very little of it. And it's a very great tease. It's a really good tease, actually. Um, as far as like what's to come in the future. I mean, you can't say that there's not gonna be a third season, right? I mean, it has to be at this point. Um, well, I mean. You know, if Netflix and, and DreamWorks and all them sign off on it, I guess, you know, but if they don't, then there doesn't have to be. But I would think, you know, story-wise, their plan would be to make more seasons. Um, you don't just end it on such a crazy, weird cliffhanger. Um, 
So as far as E750, we got that what seemed to be some sort of cryogenically frozen dinosaur, I guess. I don't I don't know what was happening there. I mean, that's a point. You know, they don't want to they don't want to spoil it. They just kind of want to tease something and they did that 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 worked. I I'm just wondering like what is that? What does that mean? Does it make any sense? What would be there is it cryogenically frozen? Cuz that's what the vibe was with the whole you know, flowers freezing up on the, the grass, and then obviously that tunnel was very cold and everything, and then Kenji's messing with the buttons, and it sparks some things or whatever, and then later on the compies pull the, pl- the plug or whatever. Um, so it was very interesting to see that thing, um, you know, start. You could sort of sound like it started to thaw, right? You sort of heard something. And then um, I, I don't know if it was like a roar or a or just the sound of the power going out, but there was some weird noise at the very end when the monitor changed to some, like, warning symbol or whatever. Um, I don't think that necessarily meant anything, but um, interesting, interesting plot detail. What is it? Why is it still here? And what does it mean for the programs that uh, Dr. Wu is running, right? Like, this is this is another hang-up, and I know when I talked with Tom... He was he was hung up on this uh, more so probably, but I think yeah sure there could be a lot of lingering issues with whatever this is like why is it not a plot point moving forward in Fallen Kingdom, um, you know why was it not salvaged during that initial salvaging period which we actually see in Jurassic World you know we actually see them taking stuff from the labs and stuff and then obviously they make mention that things were taken from the labs in this series. Um, you know, that one lab is completely cleared out where they find the envelope with the, the DNA tags and then the whole, uh, you know, key card thing. Um, so why wasn't this cleaned up? I don't know. I'm thinking in my mind, Fallen Kingdom, you know, the beginning takes place, as far as Colin said, weeks to months later, the beginning, the very beginning, the rescue attempt of the, the bone for the Indominus Rex. So there's a good chance that we could encounter that at some point with these kids. Is maybe that a side mission that we didn't see in the film? We know how much they love pointing the camera at the action that they want you to see. So maybe this was something that they pointed they didn't point at that we never saw was this you know extraction mission whether it was maybe weeks before Fallen Kingdom's events in the beginning or it took place on that same night the same during the same storm. And that was a failed or successful mission. I don't know. Maybe the two helicopters. There's one here and there's one out there. Obviously, there was a helicopter and then a submarine. So there must have been, I would assume there would be a bigger vessel out, you know, that maybe held two helicopters or something. It could. There's a way to explain this thing, whatever this is, if it's important or not, like why it maybe was or wasn't salvaged. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt but I think if they don't answer it correctly, it could be a weird canonical element that kind of disconnects things. Um, but like I said, I am willing to let them answer that. I think it, I think it is answerable. I think there is a, an explanation, and I really think Fallen Kingdom's intro can help. Outside of that, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you know, 
what is in there? What is it? You know, in our conversation with me and Tom, we were talking, is it, you know, an old species from the island? Like an original raptor, Dilophosaurus, something like that? What sense would that make to, you know, if they retrieved something during their initial, uh, you know, sweep of the island before Jurassic World opened and they froze it for research's sake? I don't know. Um why would something be frozen? I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Was it an embryo that they started working on that grew up somehow in the case? And I don't, you know, it's possible, I guess. What is it? Is it a, is it a water-based creature? Is it like a plesiosaur or something small? I don't know, something small maybe? But then what kind of threat would that be? <laughs> None, right? Um, is it a Troodon? I feel like that's a good explanation. A Troodon would be really cool. It would also like completely, you know, dispel all the events of Jurassic World Live Tour, which is probably why Colin went ahead and said that that show was soft canon. Because, hey, we got to know another Troodon over here that we're going to introduce at some other point in time. It's frozen, I guess. It's possible. But, you know, it doesn't have to completely dispel. There could be a green one and a, you know, a different colored one. Or maybe it is green. Who knows? Um, but, we, you know, not to base everything off the toys, but we know what happened with season one was we had all these other toys, Baryonyx and Ceratosaurus, and then those never showed up in season one. They showed up in season two. Um, so, you know, now we're seeing a lot, a plethora of different dinosaurs. Does that mean anything? Are any of those actually in Camp Cretaceous or are they not? Because... It's probably, it's very probable that they're not. They're just making them and slapping them in a Camp Cretaceous box. But we do so happen to have things like a Troodon, which kind of looks a little cartoony in its nature, in toy form. So maybe it could be translated to the show. What kind of threat would that be? I don't know. Let's say, for instance, you know, kind of carrying over from Jurassic World Live Tour, um... You know, you had the blue program, which, uh, you know, the raptor program, which, you know, was the aggression and the, the hunting, the tracking and, and all that good stuff. But then there was another program, which was also science-based, which was more on the behavior of these things. And how do you connect with that behavior? So maybe there's some element of uh, a faction out there, whether it's Manicore, whether it's Dr. Wu trying to get something back, um, or somebody else, Biosyn. Maybe they're trying to get that study out and trying to get that information. That's possible. It is possible that they kind of duplicated this whole Troodon storyline for whatever's in this case. I guess. I don't know. I'm still kind of really perplexed on that. But, you know, again, that's something that will, you know, ultimately be solved at some point. I just hope it's done correctly um, canonically speaking, but again, you know, this, the series is kind of a mess canonically. So, you know, ultimately I guess it really doesn't matter. Um, but, um, I gotta say, I'm really interested to know what that is really, really interested. So I don't really have any issue with what anything I saw there. Um, but again, I'm just, I'm more so surprised that 
we skipped over the mana core stuff because I, I just th- I would have thought that there was a lot of story to tell there as far as like oh maybe there was a boat off the island and and once the island falls like that's their time to get the samples themselves instead of relying on you know teenager Sammy here um, I thought there was maybe some story to tell but now we're just skipping ahead really far it seems like um, because these kids are building Swiss wa- uh, Family Robinson tree houses and showers and all kinds of crazy stuff at this place so. They're doing pretty good for themselves. Um, the kids, uh, I, you know, let's move on to the kids. I, I'm interested, you know, I, I, you know, they kind of make mention that there's a reason why we can't go here. The pteranodons are there. There's other things over here. T-Rex is on Main Street. Can't hang out there. Um, but again, I really, really wish we got to explore more. Instead, they, um, they built a, a treehouse, which was pretty awesome. I mean, it was really cool. And I actually liked a lot of those elements around building that treehouse, like like Yasmina, you know, being a, the architect and these kids working together. You know, I thought that was really cool. Um but but the fact that like them and also Ben didn't move, it it, it created a lot of sameness for me, and especially the fact that we're going back to the same lab from season 1. You know, we're seeing the same things. Um we're, it, the jungles could all very well be the same, you know, for, for what it's worth. Um, I, I just wanted to see more areas, you know, explore more things, but we didn't really get that opportunity. We got a few things. We got that vet, veterinary area, which was really cool. It, it was very simple, simple, I guess. Um, just a few cages, a little inhumane, if you will. Uh, very small cages for these dinosaurs. Um, but I, I speaking of that, I actually really like the fact that they kind of showcased a a dark aspect of what happens when a park closes unannounced and unprepared you know that's kind of that's dark as well that all you know these creatures could could have just died off right there in their cages um so i'm glad they kind of showcased that and we get to see that little walk area a jurassic uh, adventure walk or something like that where there's just like um little monuments or something um really wasn't fleshed Fleshed? Fleshed? What is the word? Fleshed out too much? Um, but um, I appreciated at least seeing something new, even though there really wasn't a lot to go off of. Um, the kids going to Main Street I thought was awesome. I really, really loved the first like several episodes and stuff like that. The, the Main Street stuff was really cool to me. Um, the fact that Brooklyn has like a cell phone charger store uh, with their cardboard cutout was cracking me up. It was hilarious. I love that. Um yeah, the Main Street stuff was cool. I I, I had a good time on Main Street. I, I liked the first stuff better than the second half, uh, you know, towards the latter end of the season. Um, the whole cat and mouse thing with Mitch and Tiff really wasn't into that too much. Um, at some point, I'm, I, I kind of wish they, you know, wish they, they did satisfy at the end with the T-Rex getting Mitch and then obviously going out on the hunt, um, you know, getting uh, the dinosaurs and chasing the kids and the, and the, the people. Um, but, you know, that moment there, the, she, she just kind of like kept getting stuck and couldn't catch the kids again. So it was a little cat and mouse that I, I, I wish maybe she was a bit more of a threatening imposition than, hey, we can easily kind of escape her a little bit here and there and, and you know, hang from her mouth or whatever. Um, so that was a little interesting, but I, I, I did like the Main Street stuff interesting point about main street is like there's boxes and stuff crates and and stuff is not how it looked in in uh the at the end of jurassic world 
Um, I, you know, I actually would like to compare it to the beginning of Fallen Kingdom. I actually haven't done that, but, um, you know, at the end of Jurassic World, it's just an empty main street that everybody had just left. So we don't really see how does that happen? Where do all these boxes come from? Um, in my mind, in my headcanon at least, I'm thinking, you know, we saw that cleanup at the end of Jurassic World. Um, you know, when the, when the crew goes into the innovation center at the end, trying to escape, you know, whatever it may be, Indominus, Raptors, whoever. Um, and, you know, we see other people still packaging things up and still getting things out of there. And obviously they escape Dr. Wu. Um, but um, maybe the conti- they continued after the battle on Main Street, I guess. Maybe they continued packing stuff up for some reason. The island seemed pretty empty, like... <sighs> it's hard to say. Was the island emptied completely? And it must have been, right? The island should have been emptied completely, but Owen, Injin, and all those people were still out there with Claire and the kids. So I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um... Those, uh, the, the kids though, I, I really, I, I love the kids. I think they were pretty cool. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I love the, uh, development of them. Kenji is another one that, uh, he's always surprising to me. His kind of wisdom and, uh, support that he shows in this season was pretty awesome. You know, at times he tries to remember who he was, who he was, uh, the rich kid, but like it always, his heart always comes through and I really appreciate that. Um, a few of the characters didn't necessarily change a ton. We, you know, we've seen all these aspects of these different characters a lot, so um, there wasn't too much new. But I did like the the approach, and you know, Brooklyn being this like crazy, you know, uh, theory uh, person who nobody nobody believed. Everybody thought she was out for her own personal interests, but come to know, you know, she's not. She's actually looking out for everybody. Um, so there there is a lot of development there. Um, let's, I want to talk about the other guys. Who are they? We don't know. That was from the first season, right? No answer here. You know, they kind of theorize maybe it could be Manicore, but we don't know. We still don't know who they could be. Are these other these other guys, right, have to be involved, I would assume, in this E750? Are the other guys Manicore? There is no correlation there. I don't know. I have no idea who anybody is. <laughs> no answer as, as to who is working for who and who's working with who. I have no idea. Who is Wu working for? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else we got? Do we got anything else here on my notes? Uh, do we have any surprises? Let me see. Surprises. No Dave and Roxy, really. There's, there's one little element of them. <laughs> which was pretty amazing, but I'm I'm surprised by the, those characters, um, and just honestly, adults in general, I guess. But what would the story be if people just came and and found them? You know, a day later, there would be no story. There would be no season two. Um, but you know, it is surprising that we didn't get any element of them trying to help from the mainland. Uh, you know, communicating with the UN who. I guess, locked this down, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, it was under quarantine or something like that from the UN. So I'm surprised we did not get any parental figures, no parents wondering where their kids are. Um, I kind of thought maybe the season would open with something like that, like 
a little bit of chaos on the mainland. You know, you, you see Dave and Roxy getting to the mainland, struggling with getting these kids back. Um, and we saw that Twitter text message, I guess, alerting parents or whoever that there was a situation on the island and your kids are fine, they're in they're in good hands or whatever, um, which we know is not true because they're out in the wild. Um, but I, I would have assumed that we were going to get some parents seeing that text, waking up and looking at their phones and being like, oh my God, we have to go help. And then, you know, you, you see that, that hangar that like Owen and Claire are in at the end of Jurassic World. And like they're there, they're, they're, all their parents are there, and they're, maybe their parents get to know each other or something like that. And you know, none of that happened. None of that happened. Surprised, very surprised. Um, that Rexy hologram was was surprising. Never, never thought ever about seeing anything like that. So that was cool. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, is it plausible? Can that happen? I have no idea. I don't know. It's cool, though. I thought it was kind of funny the way it was just like repeating on cycle and Rexy was kind of confused as to what, what it was, what was going on. So that was kind of cool. Um, anything else? Am I, I, You know, individually speaking, these episodes have a lot about them. But um, one day, one day we'll do the, do the episode by episode thing. Um, maybe by the time season three comes out again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably about it as far as conversation pieces go. But overall, my first time around, I was a little iffy. I liked a lot of it. There was also a major chunk of it that I was like not really into with the hunters and stuff like that. Second time around, I, I kind of relaxed on a lot of those feelings and I, I was kind of more into it. I still don't like the hunters, but I liked the carrying out of their their deaths and their their demise and that story. I thought that was pretty cool. The way that these kids find this bunker um, control room thing and they're, you know, working together inside the park and, and via the monitors and um, coming up with cool theories as far as distractions go, escaping the, getting the dinosaurs to escape the water hole. That's really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Um, oh, speaking of that motorcycle, I know a lot of people going into the show were like, oh, that's Owen's bike. Owen's bike right there. But, um, you know, I guess there's maybe a standard issue bike for the island with a sidecar. I don't know why. <laughs> little little interesting. What What is it used for? I don't know. Would it be for shooting, a, you know, tranking a dinosaur or something like that? I, I maybe would have rather have seen if you're going to, you know, have that kind of vehicle. Maybe the the Jeeps or whatever from the Lost World that have that rolling out seat that, you know, you trank from there. Um, or even in Jurassic World Evolution, we just see them tracking from from Jeeps or whatever. Um, so I don't know what that was for. Interesting. It gave them a cool set piece, though, with the whole, you know, uh, Hap thing with them, you know, flailing out of the, the, the sidecar and maybe coming to his demise. But I don't know. Overall, I think I'm I'm pretty positive at this point. I felt a little negative at first, but talking through it, and I've talked through it plenty of times now at this point. I've seen it a few times. You know, I think it's it's part two. It's not the full story. So there's no reason to say like, ah, bummer, you know, this season stinks. I mean, sure, you could say that if you wanted to, but I think a lot of things in this, in this season have to be resolved and, um, you know, even stuff from the first season. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, but yeah, I think overall, it's it's going to be an interesting season. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing 
what people say about this. And I think it really depends on you, whether you want to buy into it or not. Are you willing to maybe suspend your disbelief a little bit here and there? Or no? If you're not, then you're probably going to struggle with this season. But if you are, if you're, if you're okay with having a little fun, which I know Jurassic fans are, I know, I know you guys are okay with having a little bit of fun and maybe doing some things that are a little ridiculous. I think you'll enjoy it, really. Hopefully, maybe I talked you into some positivity here. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I, think, um, I, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes, to season three. When does that come? I don't know. No idea. I, I, I you know, I, I like to hope and project that, you know, if there is a season three, it would come within another four, five months. You know, that's what we got this season, season two, within that four months, I believe. So maybe in another four months. But the fact that Dominion got pushed um, really changes everything. So who knows? Who knows? And I know a lot of, you know, some people have been suggesting uh, that I've uh, spoken with are, you know, did this storyline have anything to do with Dominion getting pushed? I don't think so. I don't think so. I feel like this is just the process that they made this stuff, and this is what it was going to be. And, uh, you know, Tom had some really interesting points, which he'll explain further. You know, in, in once, you, once you inevitably get to hear our conversation, the fact that this season was a great setup for Dominion, so that's pretty cool. I think, I think there's a good chance that it could be a, a wonderful setup for Dominion. So shout out to Tom for that theory there. Because <laughs> I, I, I was like, oh, you're right. That is a cool thing. Showing how these dinosaurs live in the wild, building nests. You know, Stegosaurus is uh, shedding, I guess. I didn't know that was a thing. I had no idea. I don't, is it? I don't know. You tell me. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. Um, I never seen one. I never found one in the dirt. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. I think... Like I said, if you're willing to have fun and let go of some of the, you know, stricter ideas you have with the franchise and the story, the ongoing story as a whole, you're going to have fun with this. I had fun with it. That's all that matters for me. So I am really, really interested to know what you guys think. And I'm, I want to do a full uh, fan uh, reaction episode, a listener reaction episode. So please let me know what you guys think. Give us a call. You can call our voicemail line. Leave us a message, 732-825-7763. Leave us a message there. That's Again, I'll repeat it, 732-825-7763. Let me know your thoughts and theories uh, and, and, and ideas, your feelings, whatever the case may be. What did you think about it? it they, they usually are like about a few minutes long. Try not to be too long on the voicemails. Um, because we want to get as many people in there as possible. If you want to record something on your phone, little MP3 on your phone, your voice recorder, you can actually just email that over to us. Just send it to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. I'll go ahead, I'll sift through all your emails, I'll add them all to a big fan reaction episode so we can kind of get an idea as to what people are feeling. Um... Because, like I said, I think this is going to be divisive. I think, you know, I know a lot of people have harsh reactions to the crazier stuff that we see in the the films, the newer films. 
A lot of people really like the grounded stuff from the originals. But some people like me, I, I'm okay with everything. I'm usually pretty loose with, you know, a lot of this stuff. I love Fallen Kingdom. I know people don't. I like Jurassic World a lot. Hey, I like Jurassic Park 3. Spinosaurus, probably one of my favorite dinosaurs, if not my favorite in the series. Uh, you know, uh, theropod, or, you know, bigger, you know, villain dinosaur-wise. Um, so... I like all this crazy stuff, so I'm good with this. Um, so anyway, let me know your thoughts and feelings. You can follow us online. Please do so. Go to JurassicParkPodcast.com. You can contact us there. You can uh, see all of our articles. I'm sure there's going to be great articles. Tom Fishenden has a great spoiler-filled uh, article. He has a spoiler-free one. At this point, I don't know. Are you going to read it? But he has a spoiler-based article. He has a spoiler-based review on our YouTube channel. Please go watch that. Um... And, uh, yeah, please follow us uh, on YouTube as well. Just search for the Jurassic Park Podcast. You can find all of these links on our website. You can go to our Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. You can find me on there, at Brad Jost. And then you can go to our Instagram, at Jurassic Park Podcast. Nope. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes I forget. Whether it's pod or podcast, depends on the limits. (laughs) But Twitter is at Jurassic Park Pod. Instagram is at Jurassic Park Podcast. Um, And then uh, Facebook just search for the Jurassic Park podcast there as well. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Stay tuned. Hopefully I can bring you that content with Tom Fish and then sometime soon. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you. This has been probably a little bit longer than I expected, but um, I appreciate you guys listening, listening to me ramble, do this all kind of off the cuff here and, uh, you know, help, help me lose my voice as we go into the night here. So thank you guys so much for listening. Stay safe out there. And of course, enjoy. Stop what you're doing and leave now.